Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Voting. I am your host, and I have a great show for you this week. First up, I got some EV news for you, and then we're going to jump right into a Starbase update with Jessica Kirsch. Yes, it's time for another Kirsch rant. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Allison Sheridan of the Podfeet Podcast Network, she does the Nozilla Cast and the Chit Chat Across the Pond podcast. She shared the story with me. And it's all about GM and the battery placements. Now, battery placements are not new, or is not a new topic on this show anyway. We've talked to James and Howard in the past about their Hyundai Kona and their battery placement experiences. James lives in Canada, and Howard lives in here in the United States on the East Coast. And here's a spoiler alert. Uh, Howard has had a relatively positive experience, while James is still facing some frustrating challenges, and he has... Uh, he has chronicled those on the latest episode of his podcast, True North EVs. There's a link in the podcast uh, notes under Friends of the Show for both James's podcast and then Allison's website, and that will take you to everything that she does. But I'm digressing here, so let's just go ahead and get to the news. I haven't really talked too much about the recall on the Bolt So let's go ahead and recap what's going on here. The Chevy Bolt has two main issues. There's a torn anode tab, and then there's a folded separator. And unfortunately for Chevy and LG Kim, who supplies the batteries, that just so happens to cause fires. So that's a problem for sure. And Chevy has recommended not to charge the battery past a certain percentage. I think it's 80%, but it might actually be 70. And they've also recommended that they not park the vehicle inside a a garage or near a building, which at the very least, both of these suggestions are inconveniences. But the good news, there are two new battery plants that are going to be building the new updated batteries for the Bolt. There's one in Holland and there's one in Michigan. According to Chevy, the new batteries should begin shipping sometime in mid-October. And if you check your calendar, today is October 15th, so we're in mid-October. So any any day now, these batteries are on their way to the dealerships. The replacement process, once they get to the dealerships, will take about two days, and all the batteries will come with an eight-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. Now, I mentioned earlier in this article that owners have been dealing with some inconveniences. Well, more inconveniences are on their way. 
because in mid-November, the dealerships are going to get a software update. But because the Chevy Bolt is unable to do over-the-air updates, owners will have to drive their vehicle to the dealership and get a software update. Uh, And this update will install some diagnostic software to monitor the the health of the battery, which I think is great. I don't know if that's going to be consumer facing or if it will just run in the background and alert the driver that there's an issue with the battery. I'm not sure exactly how that will work. The recall is going to cost GM about $1.8 billion. And GM has asked their battery supplier, LG Kim to kick in at least a measly billion. And I have an update from the original article that I, I got this from. LG is going to re- reimburse GM somewhere around $2 billion for this whole process. And let's keep rolling on the Chevy Bolt news. GM halted production on Chevy Bolt August 23rd. So it's been a while. It's been almost two months since that halt. That production halt is going to be extended for another two weeks. And the reason why is those new batteries that we talked about coming from Holland and Michigan, they need time to be shipped to dealerships first so that current customers are taken care of. And then they're going to start being shipped to the factory. So my little public service announcement to you is don't go out and buy a Chevy Bolt unless you're 100% positive that that Bolt has the newest battery technology. All right, that is all of our non-Tesla EV news this week. Let's jump into some Tesla news here. A couple of quick stories before we get into the meat of things. The Model Y Design Studio is now live in the UK, and delivery should begin sometime in early 2022. So Mark and Ian, let me know if you have access to the Model Y Design Studio, and if you have a delivery date, if you configure a car. Tesla, or excuse me, the article I read says that delivery should begin sometime in early 2022. But, you know, it'd be nice to get boots on the ground information from that. Giga Berlin's first goal is to produce a Model Y body every 45 seconds. Now, that's pretty impressive, but it's not the whole car every 45 seconds because I fundamentally misunderstood this article when I read it. I was like, how is that even possible? It's just the body. So Tesla plans to produce somewhere around 5,000 cars from Giga Berlin a year. And Elon thinks that the factory could actually produce something closer to 520000 a year. Tesla is reducing the free period for premium connectivity to 30 days. And if you don't know what this is, it gives you things like real-time maps and stuff like that. But it's basically, it gives you connection through an LTE cell connection. I want to say that Tesla was giving this away for a year when you purchased the car. I may be wrong on that. That may only be for the Model S and Model X. But in any case, I don't quite understand why they're doing this. I'm sure that it costs money, but it can't cost all that much money. The car costs over $40,000 to purchase. It seems like they could eat that first year pretty easy, simply because if you pay for it all at once, it's only $100. If you pay each month, it's you know $10 a month. It's not a lot of money for Tesla to eat this. It's also probably not that big of a deal for somebody to just get their free 30 days and pay $100. It's not the end of the world. So I don't know where I stand on this, honestly. Next story, Tesla has officially launched its insurance product in Texas, and Tesla has confirmed that it's using real-time driving behavior to determine what you pay each month. So this is kind of a cool concept. So when you pay your current insurance company, that payment is based off of driving history your credit, your gender for some reason, your age, your claim history, uh, like I said, your driving records. 
and past accidents. And Tesla's not doing any of that stuff. It's based on your safety score. Now, we all know the safety score system is flawed. And we've talked about that a lot. And there's a lot of stuff online about it. But if you don't know, the safety score is what Tesla is using to determine if you get access to full self-driving beta. So what the safety score is, it's based off of uh, five factors, forward collision warnings per thousand miles, heartbreaking, not heartbreaking, hardbreaking, aggressive turning, unsafe following distance, and forced autopilot disengagement. That's it. They don't care about any of the other stuff. And weirdly enough, why would they care if the gender thing just blows me away? I understand the age thing. The gender thing, I don't quite understand. On average, drivers should save between 20 and 40% of their premium when compared to traditional insurance companies. And the safest people, the safest scores, if you fall into the, the safe score category, the safest score category, you could save 30 to 60% on your insurance. And you pay this each month. So depending one month, you might have a really good month and you might pay $89. And the next month, you might pay $114. This could be very interesting. I'd, I'd try it for six months and give it a, a good solid six months to see if it worked for me or not. My insurance right now is pretty cheap. So it, it would have to be, and that's for two vehicles. So it, it would have to be pretty compelling for me to switch over. Let's talk a little bit more about the full self-driving beta. Somewhere around a week and a half ago, there were only about 2,000 members in the beta program for full self-driving. That included a few testers outside of Tesla and then also Tesla employees. So not, not a huge swath of people. But we now know that Tesla has opened up this program a little bit more. We don't know exactly how many people, but it's estimated to be somewhere around 1,000 people were let in. And when they were accepted into the program they were told that their vehicles would be using pure vision. That means that radar is completely disabled, and now the car is only using the cameras. We talked about this a couple of months ago. So here's the letter sent to FSD beta participants. Hello, we will be pushing FSD beta version 10.2 to your vehicle shortly. Full self-driving is in limited early beta and must be used with additional caution. It may do the wrong thing at the worst time. So you always keep your hands on the wheel and pay extra attention to the road. I don't know why I'm reading this like a nanny. Do not become complacent when the full self-driving beta is enabled. Your vehicle will make lane changes off highway. Select forks to follow to follow your navigation route. Navigate around other vehicles and objects and make left turns and right turns. Use full self-driving beta only if you will pay constant attention to the road and be prepared to act immediately, especially around blind corners, crossing intersections, and in narrow driving situations. Every driver is responsible to remain alert and active when using autopilot and must be prepared to take action at any time. As part of receiving FSD beta, your vehicle has automatically opted into then associated telemetry sharing with Tesla, including autopilot usage, images, and or video. If you wish to be removed from the limited early access FSD beta, please email, email protected. Your vehicle is running on Tesla Vision. Note that Tesla Vision also includes some temporary limitations. As noted, follow distance is between two and seven car lengths. Autopilot top speed is 80 miles an hour. Thanks, Tesla team. Let's move on to the next story. 
Tesla is going to use an enormous casting machine to cast the rear bed part of the Cybertruck. This includes the vault and that piece for the automatic tunnel cover that that automatically comes down or when you push the button, it'll come down. Elon said this particular uh, casting machine is going to be like an 8,000 ton press, which is huge. The Model Y is huge at 6,000 tons and the Cybertruck is going to be an 8,000 ton press, which is crazy. From the outside, it really seems like Tesla's on board with just building these huge machines that will allow them to build a vehicle with as few parts as absolutely necessary. I mean, it's just insane what they're doing. And hopefully it works out. I don't know if it's going to work out. The Model Y has worked out to this point. I, I don't even think Elon really knows if it'll work out at scale. So it's just, I don't know what Tesla's doing manufacturing wise is crazy. Still on the subject of the Cybertruck, Tesla has removed prices and specs for the Cybertruck. And this is for all three configurations. When you go to the Cybertruck page, you get some general information and an order now button. When you click on the order now button, it takes you to a page where it just says put down a $100 deposit. There's no other information given, whereas before you would get like all of the specs and, and how each configuration and you know, towing and stuff like that. Now we just kind of get that, those top line specs on the first page and that's it. I really want to believe that Tesla is going to be giving us the finalized specs anytime now. Elon has said several times that the pencils are almost down. They've just got a few tweaks, but pretty much the, the design is done and set, right? Well, if it is done and set, then they should start giving us this information soon. The other thing on this is I really believe that that, that uh, low-end or more affordable $39,000 Cybertruck is just not going to come. It's, it, Tesla's not going to build it. To this point, with the Model 3 and the Model Y, they really haven't stayed true to that base model. So uh, we'll see what happens with this. Let's talk about the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration and them investigating Tesla's autopilot program. We haven't talked about this in a couple of shows. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration wants more information on Tesla's non-disclosure agreement with FSD beta testers and what they agreed to. There's also something about Tesla issuing a stealth recall of autopilot, which I don't quite understand. Uh, This was an update for full self-driving and autopilot so that they recognize emergency flashing lights at night. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration wanted Tesla to to issue an official recall notice for this. Um, And to to the best of my knowledge, like, why would you need to? And I'm sure there's a reason for this. I'm not I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I'm not being snarky here. Why would you ask for them to do a recall notice for a software update? Like, I can understand if you had to take your vehicle into the dealer for a software update, but Tesla doesn't need to do that. And to this point, they've been updating their vehicles without, without having a recall notice. Like, could you imagine every time they make something better and they send a recall notice, like they had some issues with their brakes and uh, consumer reports slammed them on it and Tesla issued an update and then it was fine. Like that wasn't a recall. It was just a software update. They're fixing issues through software. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But here is a little excerpt from that letter. 
This letter follows up on recent discussions between our organizations and requests additional information from Tesla with respect to two recent actions taken by your company. Tesla's late September 2021 distribution of functionality to certain Tesla vehicle models intended to improve detection of emergency vehicle lights in low light conditions. And Tesla's early October release of the full self-driving beta request menu option. So I'm. it kind of sounds like from this letter that Tesla and the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration had some sort of agreement, or maybe one side understood and the other side didn't, or maybe they both understood and Tesla just decided they were going to do it anyway. I don't really know. But the idea of calling a software update a self-recall is just asinine to me. Like anytime Apple does an iPhone update or Android does an update to their phone, it's not a recall. It's just an update, even if they're fixing a security issue. <sighs> Seems like a fundamental misunderstanding of how Tesla and their update system works. But here is a little letter, <laughs> another letter sent to Tesla about the FSD early access beta release. Recently, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration has become aware of reports that participants in Tesla's FSD early access beta release program have non-disclosure agreements that allegedly limit the participants from sharing information about FSD that portrays the feature negatively or from speaking with certain people about FSD. Given that National Highway Transportation Safety Administration relies on reports from consumers as an important source of information in evaluating potential safety defects, any agreement that may prevent or dissuade participants in in the early access beta release program from reporting safety concerns to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration is unacceptable. Moreover, even limitations on sharing certain information publicly adversely impacts National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's ability to obtain information relevant to safety. So basically, they're concerned that people aren't going to share if there's an issue with the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, uh, which I get. That's a that is a valid concern. And again, like I said before, there may have been some discussions between Tesla and the Highway Safety Administration. As best as I can tell, the non-disclosure agreement was, and I haven't read all the way through it, but from what I can, what I've gathered, and I don't have time, it's like eight pages or something like that. But it sounds like Tesla is just basically like, hey, share this information, but just don't share the things that make us look bad, which I get in itself (laughs) is probably dumb for Tesla to say. But on the other side, you know, it is a a beta. It's it's not like it's a fully fleshed out features. like. I kind of understand that people might get the wrong idea if they don't completely understand that they're the person complaining is in a beta program. Um, because I've seen plenty of people posting stuff about their beta experience and Tesla's not asking them to take it down or at least not the, to my, the best of my knowledge. And I know a couple of beta testers and to this point, Tesla seems like they've been pretty open to these beta testers sharing their experience. Now, granted, these are OG beta testers. I don't know any new ones, but I imagine if, you know, Earl of the Frunk Puppy Twitter account, if he was out there posting a bunch of trash, Tesla would probably be upset about that. And maybe at some point, if he was doing it enough, they might pull his beta. You know, it's not like Earl hasn't said anything that was negative towards the beta. But on the other side, he's been very fair, I think, in his in his criticisms towards Tesla and the beta program. All right, to sum all this up, it does seem like from the outside, 
these requests are kind of silly. Now, they're not silly at all if Tesla agreed to actually do these things, but they are pretty silly if the, the Transportation Safety Administration was like, no, you have to do these things when you normally wouldn't do them if you weren't being investigated. I don't know. I want to go into some updates if you'll indulge me. I'm currently trying to redesign the show's uh, show art to be more inclusive of other EVs out there and not just Tesla, because I've been told that when people see the, the show art, they just think it's about Tesla and then they don't want to listen. So based on some really good advice, I'm changing the show art, but that takes time and I'm very busy and I don't have time to do it right now. I've got uh, promotional testing coming up. I've got training that I'm designing for my shift at work. I've got this podcast, the, the testing, you have no idea. There's over 800 pages to study for this test. So I'm just very, very busy right now. So I'm very sorry. And Jeffrey, I know I owe you a thank you note with some stickers and some other swag in there. I will more than make that up to you in the coming months. I just need to get past this really busy next three weeks. So I apologize. Now, having said that I'm way too busy to do this podcast right, would you like to support me on Patreon? Go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. And there's a lot of perks that you get. The biggest one is for just $1 a month, there are no ads on the show. So that's pretty cool. So having said all that, this might be the worst time to pitch my Patreon So don't go, don't go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com and don't pledge a dollar because like many things in my life, I'm just going to fall short of your expectations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Jessica Kirsch and I sat down this week and we chatted about SpaceX and how Starbase is progressing. And we even chatted a little bit about Jessica and, and the challenges that she's running into living out of an RV. And let me tell you, living in an RV in South Texas is not an easy experience. And Jessica gets into that. It's a short 20-minute little chat. I think you're all going to enjoy it. So let's go ahead and jump into Kirsch Rant, I think number five. It's time for a Kirsch Rant. Jessica Kirsch, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me back, Bodie. It's been a minute since I've been on. No, it's it's, it's been, uh, I don't know how many months, but the last time you were in Phoenix and uh, you were kind of planning your move to Starbase and now you, you live in that area. What have you been up to since last time we chatted? Oh gosh, where do I start? <laughs> uh, I'll be brief. What have I been up to? So yes, I've moved to Starbase, Texas, which is um, familiar. Um, previously known as Boca Chica, Texas. Also, people know it as Brownsville, Texas, the Rio Grande River Valley, and uh, near South Madre Island, right on the border of Mexico at the southernmost tip of Texas. Yes, there are people that live here. And I have moved down here in order to uh, bring live coverage as well as coverage in general and updates, breaking news updates about the SpaceX Starship program, uh, which is in development and under construction here in Starbase, Texas. So we talked a little bit about uh, about this before we started recording, but you've kind of you've personally faced some challenges just that you weren't expecting moving to South Texas that that I don't know that a lot of people in different parts of the the country or the world really understand how uh, how difficult it is to live in that area. Like there's a, there's a lot going on. So yes. do you want to highlight some of those things that you've experienced? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I am currently, so this is, I, I live in an RV. Um, I'm full-time RV living. I've never lived in an RV before. Previously I've stepped foot into one, one time. Um, so the challenges of, of learning to RV uh, that's, that's number one, number two. Um, and that would happen anywhere, you know, learn the learning curve for RVing. Um, but number two has been the infrastructure of utilities here in this area. Um, there, there's a lot of things here. Sorry, I should back up. There's not a lot of things <laughs> here, <laughs> that are built out and uh, sustainable for everyday usage. For example, um, things, basic necessities like water supply. Water supply is um, a concern. You, uh, City of Brownsville, you, you know, going down to Starbase, there's no fresh water anywhere. Um, maybe for the employees, but not for the general public or people like myself who are journalists and going down. Uh, restrooms, stuff like that, uh, power, electricity. Um, that has probably been the most difficult thing that I've dealt with. Not only is there, when in my first location with my RV, I started at a place called Rocket Ranch and there was not enough power 
to power a full-time RV living like um, person. So it was temporary. I moved to an RV park where I have a full hookup and uh, full hookup and, and gig uh, or sorry, fiber optic internet is offered free. Well, now I know why it's free <laughs> because it goes down all the time. Uh, the wind blows and the power goes out. The wind blows and everything goes out. So right now, the infrastructure here for electricity, uh, for water supply, uh, just plumbing in general. So it's very rough, raw, rugged. Um, the mosquitoes are the size of houseflies. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's been a really interesting challenge. And I've been documenting all of it on YouTube. So if you're interested in seeing my journey, please head over to my channel, youtube.com backslash Jessica Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. Yes. And uh, you mentioned a little bit, but like uh, just the weather in Texas, like everything's bigger in Texas and that includes the weather. Like I've never been to a place that had more spectacular thunderstorms and lightning storms than Texas. Like it's just amazing. Even the thunder claps are bigger. They are so loud. It sounds like somebody is setting a firecracker off in your ear. It rumbles your house. It rumbles your, exactly. And I'm in a trailer, so I'm already like, you know, and I'm in a wind plane, um, which is fine because there's wind turbines that are producing energy, which is a step towards becoming sustainable in this area. Um, yeah, but yeah, it rumbles, it rumbles everything. You never know when it's going to flood, when it's, the power is going to go out. So let's, let's transition from my mm-hmm. digression to <laughs> what, what they're up to at SpaceX at the Starbase site. Sure. So there is so much going on at Starbase. And uh, for anybody that's not familiar with the term Starbase, Back in March of earlier this year, 2021, I was down for serial number 10 flight test, uh, Starship SN10, and Elon tweeted, creating the city of Starbase. And that was the first acknowledgement that they were creating a city. And like I said, it was Boca Chica. Beforehand, there's still Boca Chica Village. Um, anywho, so all uh, so basically the city of starbase is in it's an all in my opinion this is all my opinion i feel it's a prototype city that they're building out for infrastructure for when uh human beings go to mars and colonize that's my opinion that's interesting that's an interesting thought yeah and so there there's there's all kinds of things that are going on, but let's first of all, Starship is the number one, which has brought uh, thousands of jobs. Thousands of people are are working. Uh, they're working 24-7. There's a night shift and a day shift, and then there's contractors. People are working six days a week, uh, 14 to 16 hour shifts, 30 minutes for food. Um, and then there's seven days a week people I just spoke with two yesterday, uh, working 12 hours a day. So there's, they're building out the launch site 
which is right on the ocean. Uh, Boca Chica Beach is a public beach still. So right at the launch site, and then there's the build site. And in between, it's just, it's not swamp, but it's um, it's wildlife refuge. So there's not much, I think, that can be built in between. But I feel that the city of Starbase is going to expand into Brownsville. And it, it you know, it will become this all-encompassing city surrounded around Starship and the development program uh, for getting human beings back to the moon, obviously the lunar lander, but um, making humans a multiplanetary species, which is, they're calling it Starbase Gateway to Mars. So, yes, uh, there's, there's so much going on and it's hard to describe in a brief summary here. So once again, go check out my channel if you want to learn more. Um, I've got all kinds of coverage almost daily yeah. on the Starship uh, development program and Starbase and all the people that I'm meeting and uh, people that have moved here to work here uh, at SpaceX. I've got neighbors that are employees and stuff like that. So you, you've talked a little bit about like your challenges with infrastructure. What is SpaceX? What are they challenged with? with Starbase and bringing all that stuff in? Yeah. So everything that comes into everything that is at Starbase now is being trucked in. You'll see there's semi trucks coming in and out all day long deliveries or it's being shipped in. So the port of Brownsville is just around the corner from me and, and just up the road from SpaceX, just up the road is in like 15 miles. (laughs) But, and I don't know much about the shipping, but I, um, I'm assuming that some of the stuff is coming from the port and then it's being trucked in. Um, yeah. So there was all of this basically started as far as I know, the, the build out here really like hit the ground running. And I think it was 2018, maybe it was 26. I think it was 2018. It wasn't long ago. No. Um, when I was here in March, just I'm calling it the city skyline okay so the infrastructure build out of the launch pad with the orbital launch tower uh the tank farm all of the stuff that make it's basically in my opinion they're skyscrapers uh the second largest crane on earth is being used right now to construct the orbital launch tower oh wow yeah um and it's uh you know it's stacked there was a full stack of starship on top of the super heavy booster didn't th- th- did they do a test fire? Is that what they did? Not on this recent rendition. So ship 20, which is starship ship 20 is the top portion. It's the second stage that will actually go to orbit. And the super heavy booster is the bottom portion that will return back to earth. And they are currently actually today they're lifting the booster catching mechanism, which they're calling the chopsticks, <laughs> that's going to catch the booster and and bring it in and then turn it around and set it back up on the launch pad so that they can reuse it very quickly as if air like like Southwest Airlines turns around in like 15 minutes. I don't know if it'll be that quick, but that's the goal is to make it full. It's obviously fully reusable, the second stage, not obviously, but. Uh, the super heavy booster will be reused over and over. And Elon wants to launch thousands of these a day. 
Yeah, that's cool. I did not realize there was a mechanism that took it from where it lands yeah. and then sets it back on. Do you think it's called chopsticks because of uh, um, yes. oh, Karate Kid? Uh, like, and he catches it, the fly? Uh, well, me- have you heard of Mechazilla from oh, like, God Godzilla or something? I never saw. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know exactly what I it is. I don't either. So everyone's, some people are are calling it Mechazilla on my live stream. Some people are calling it chopsticks. Depends on who you're talking to. Oh, if it's I see, a contractor, if it's a SpaceX employee, if it's Elon that is tweeting, like everybody has different names for it. Uh, but that actually is something that is recent as of, um, I don't know, the last couple months or so, because they said that the super heavy booster has the consist- consistency of a beer can when it comes down from space so it needs something that can gently catch it uh-huh so literally there's claws that are being lifted up onto the orbital launch tower today and I, yesterday i was there filming it too um and elon's like i'm not sure if it's gonna work but we're gonna try it so wow that's really cool yeah. that sounds like yeah fun. um so Going back to the infrastructure, you, you had mentioned that they had that SpaceX right now is bringing in high voltage lines and battery packs just to kind of bolster their own power to to give them that that uh, the extra sense of stability there. Yeah, because yeah. there there is no power out there. There's there uh, the the power lines stop, bef- you know, before the launch or before the city of Starburst begins. Like, I, and I think they maybe went under, but yeah, they're bringing, sorry, continue. They're bringing, yeah, they're bringing more power, but what, what do the contractors do if there's not, because obviously if you're building something like this, it requires a, a quite a lot of power usage. What are the contractors doing to, to actually build this out? Yeah. Uh, so the contractors, they come in and they line up and they have, um, they're called dually trucks. They've got double wheels in the back. Like the big, big, the biggest trucks that you can think of, um, pickup trucks wise that are not commercial. And they have their own power generators in the back of their trucks. So, uh, the welders, angle grinders, uh, just contract any, any, they line up, uh, at, and this is at the shift change that I'm speaking specifically during the day that I've seen them line up and they just wait to go into the site. So they have to pull their own truck in with their own power generator with their own welder in order to weld or do what they're doing on Starship because there's not power there to utilize at this time for the workers. Right. Because, I mean, that would be a, a, even what SpaceX is doing just by themselves is a tremendous draw of electricity. If you take yes. however many uh, contractors that are working out there, I'm sure that that would overwhelm the system Yes, fairly easily. And there was a, a time period called the surge where they were flying in uh, SpaceX employees from all over the country. They were coming in from Cape Canaveral. They were using Elon's jet. They were using SpaceX jet. I think they've recently acquired... I think five new jets or four. Um, And they're flying in people from all over from California, Hawthorne, everywhere in order to get, this was for the fully stacked starship top portion and super heavy. The very first time that I was talking about earlier. Um, And at that point there were up to 5,000 people working on site at one time for, it was the surge, the push to get it stacked 
it was in, it's insane. Yeah. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this, um, uh, before the interview, but, um, like William Shatner was shot into space today, uh, which is amazing that one, he's not dead. <laughs> and, and two that like blue origin, what it was like two months ago or not even that maybe, uh, a little over 30 days ago had, you know, shot, uh, Jeff Bezos Jeff and a bunch Bezos. of other people into space. Yeah. But William Shatner is like 91 and you know, he went up, uh, he came down. I'm sure he'll take, uh, he'll probably have lunch and take an, a nice nap, uh, because it probably <laughs> takes a big toll on your body, even if you're yes. not 91. Yes. Um, but how cool is it that we're able to, we're to this point and, you know, uh, SpaceX launched, um, the, the inspiration Four, which is super cool. Yes. The all civilian, yeah, all civilian space flight. That was the very first time ever that non-astronauts, just normal, everyday, average people went to space for three days and returned. Um, the future is looking really bright. No, it's exciting. It's exciting. So what what is SpaceX doing now, um, like specifically today, that uh, is kind of pushing us towards that goal? Uh, specifically today, well, um, I just saw that a road closure, uh, Boca Chica Boulevard road closure was canceled for today, Wednesday. Oh, no. Uh, so no static fire. Yeah, no static fire. Oh. Uh, but they, they were planning on uh, doing the booster for static fire of six Raptor engines. Right now, I think there's 29 total, possibly going to be 31, just for the bottom portion. Wow. So, and they're super powerful you know, because they need a lot of those engines to get Starship to orbit. And um, they're very like they're they're renewed and uh, a whole new version than the ones that they were using in the test flight. So tomorrow after 5 p.m., we're hoping for a static fire and it's going to be the loudest, most exciting event. I think that Besides the flight tests, I think that it, it's just I'm hoping that the world tunes in. It's going to be awesome. Are you are you going to be uh, filming this from South Padre? Uh, that was my plan. Uh, as long as I can get there and because uh, parking and all that stuff is is the most difficult thing. But yes, that was my plan. Um, as long as it goes because as long as they don't cancel the closure. But you know what I mean? Getting over there. I'm about an hour from. Uh, Isla Blanca Park, where I filmed um, SN10 on the beach. Okay, yeah. So um, in that case, what I'm going to encourage people to do is I'm going to encourage them to follow you on Twitter because that's when you find out or how you find out when Jessica goes live. It's YouTube.com at Jessica Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. At Jessica underscore Kirk. Oh, yes. R-S-H. My bad. It's okay. No worries. It's all good. <laughs> I wrote it down. It's all good. And it's then okay. you can also go to youtube.com uh, slash Jessica Kirsch live if you want to see if she is live. Or you just go to youtube.com slash Jessica, not underscore, just Jessica Kirsch. Yes. For so youtube.com backslash Jessica Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. If I'm live, you will see in the top portion of my channel, you will see the live stream. It should appear if I'm live. If I'm not live, you will see my channel trailer. Um, but the best way to check if I'm live is to type in to the internet, youtube.com backslash Jessica Kirsch. 
backslash live. Or you could just Google. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I would encourage people just to go to watch your trailer. Your trailer is really good. Thanks. I love I the music. That. The music's great. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. All thanks, right. Bodhi. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. I can't wait to talk to you next time. Excellent. And with more updates. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I want to thank Jessica Kirsch for coming on the show. You can find Jessica Kirsch in our show notes under the Friends of the Podcast, along with James at True North EVs and Allison at the Podfeet Network. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Jessica Kirsch and you can see her there. I want to thank Jessica for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I really love sitting down and getting a chance to chat with her each and every month. Although it's been a while, I think it's been since June. She's been very, very busy. If you want to email me, you can email me Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. I hope you all have a wonderful week. And I. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We'll chat with you next Friday. Bye.